And today is um, the, the second of three sermons looking at a biblical view of the church. This is our three-week topical sermon series. Uh, as we start a new chapter in the life of the church here at Inspire St. James, as we are emerging finally from the pandemic, we think it's a great time for us to think afresh about who we are uh, as a church and what it means exactly to belong to the church today. So in these three weeks, last week, for those who are here, um, we looked at the church as a body, the rich metaphor, Christ as the head, us as the body. Next week, we're going to look at the church as a temple, and then today, we are focusing in on the church as a family. So these three really rich biblical metaphors that God gives us, body, family, temple, to help us appreciate the blessing of the church. And in today's one, in the family, we're going to be thinking about the fact that God in the church, as a family, gives us a place to belong. Uh, Child social workers will tell you that a sense of belonging to family, to community, is essential for the healthy social and emotional development of a child. Uh, For those of you familiar with the famous hierarchy of needs by the psychologist Abraham Maslow will know that the um, third most crucial need he suggests is a sense of belonging. The third most crucial need after food and water, physical, uh, safety, physical safety is a sense of belonging. Because it's in a sense of belonging that we feel included, that we feel accepted, that we feel support, that we feel security. I don't know if you remember back to your first day at school or first day at prim- uh, secondary school, or maybe going to university for the first time, or first time you stepped into the office of a, a, a new role, and those sort of feelings of insecurity, like, well, I wonder how I'm going to get on, and I wonder if I'm going to make any new friends at school, and will I be accepted, and, accepted, and will I fit in? There's this deep um, longing in every human heart to belong, to fit in. One in 12 Londoners now describe themselves as severely lonely, with no real sense of community. At the most streamed TV show in the UK right now is Friends. So it's come back, it's on Netflix, everyone's watching it. I'll be there for you and you'll be there for me and we belong, we're in this friendship group together. And when it was, um, some research was done on what reasons that young people join gangs in London, again, after physical safety, the first, the main reason that was given was that, that these kids feel part of a family. Sense of belonging. Now, I don't know if you come to church this afternoon feeling part of your family, feeling part of your community, but what I want us to see this morning and what I want to hopefully, us to hopefully experience is that the church, the family of God, is the one place where we can all truly belong. So let's take a look at this metaphor now, the church's family. Like last week, the church is a body. I want to look at it in two angles. How God relates to us first before we think how to relate to each other. With church, we maybe think, oh, it's how we relate to each other. No, no, let's think of, of God first as our Father, our loving, heavenly, perfect Father, before we think about us being brothers and sisters together in Christ. So that's where we're going, those two directions, two angles. First, in the church family, God is our Father. Now, I'm conscious that we, you know, many of us here will have heard this lots of times. We believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We baptize people here in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Every time we pray and do the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven. We know this, we hear it a lot, but I wonder how much we truly experience the richness and depth and intimacy of this reality 
of having God as Father. Just glance down at verse 6 of our first reading. So Galatians 4, page 1170. Um, Let me pick it up from verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, this set time in human history, God sends his son, born of a woman, Mary, born under the law, the law of Moses, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now, if you're wondering what's with the sort of male-centric language here, um, don't be put off by that. Paul is here um, contrasting between a slave and a son, a slave that has no rights, no permanence in the family, a son who has all rights back then in Roman culture, a permanent membership in the family. He's saying you're all, every Christian believer, you are sons in that sense. Verse 6, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. In other words, not only does God send his son, verses 4 and 5, that we might have the status of sonship, do you see God also sends his spirit, verse 6, so we may experience that sonship. Not just status, really important, experience of it too, experience right now. The spirit of his son, the spirit of Jesus Christ, in our hearts, That is the connection that we have with God, the intimacy with him, this depth of relationship. The spirit who calls out from our hearts, Abba, Father, that Greek word for call out. Krazon is full of the most intense feeling. That expression, Abba, Father, this is not some sort of prophetic reference to some 70s Swedish pop group. This is an Aramaic term of endearment, of respect, Abba Father, dearest Father. That is how we can address God. We can address God in, by the way, the same way that Jesus addresses his Father in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14. Abba Father. We can address God like Jesus addresses his Father because we are members now of the family of God. Notice all three persons of the Trinity here in verse uh, 6. Think for a moment. I mean, the Trinity, a community of love, a family of love for all eternity. The Father loving the Son in the bond of the Spirit and the Son loving the Father. And can you imagine what? We are now a part of that family. We've been adopted into it such that we can share in that depth of intimacy and relationship and love and security and be part of the family of God forever. <laughs> we had a meltdown in the Jackson household and... And this past week, I won't tell you which child, I won't tell you exactly what happened. I will tell you, though, um, that one child, I need to say they, don't I, rather than he or she. So um, they um, decided they'd had enough, the family. They um, put their shoes on, they packed their bags, they went out the front door. They started walking down Owen Street and off to St. John Street, shouting back towards us, I don't want to be part of this family anymore, I'm off to join an orphanage. And you'll be pleased to know that they came back and they're working through being part of the Jackson family. To belong to God's family. To have God as your father and not me. To have this experience, this deep experience of the spirit in our hearts, like moving us to cry out, Abba, Father. To really know that, to really experience that. That is a family you will never want to leave. That is the very family that we were made for. You don't belong to your family. You can belong to this one. 
don't feel you belong to your, you can belong to this community. And that lasts forever. Just to be clear, the status in the family of God, this experience in the family of God, it is true for every Christian believer. Just glance up to verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There is, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. All, all, all. This is true for every Christian believer. It's your faith in Jesus Christ. You are part of the family of God. And we are equally part of the family of God. God does not have any favorites or any golden children. Doesn't, God doesn't make any comparisons. We are all one in Christ Jesus. It's a brilliant. And normally in life, you know, there's some sort of standard you have to get to in order to be accepted. You know, you call enough for our friendship group. You know, are you articulate enough, clever enough to join in with us at work? Are you really going to fit in? Do you speak right? Do you dress right? Do you think right? And if you don't, you know, bye-bye now. Not so with the family of God. Anyone can join. Whatever your race, Jew, Gentile, whatever your social standing, slave or free, your gender, male and female, your age, young or old, come to Jesus Christ, put your faith in him, you belong. The only thing you need to belong is faith in Jesus Christ. It might be that you feel you've never really had a place to belong, that you've never had a place where you truly fit in, be it your school, be it your friendship group, be it your workplace, be it your own body. The family of God is the one place you can truly belong. Through faith, through faith in Christ, just bringing your need, Lord, I am a spiritual orphan. Lord, please adopt me into your family. Lord, I bring nothing but my sin, my selfishness, my self-righteousness. Forgive me, cleanse me, change me. This is the, it's astonishing. God sends his only son, his one and only perfect son, to be born on earth and to give up his life for us and for our sin and all the times we stomp off out the house and down the road and God, I've had another way, you know, so that we can be adopted, so that we can be sons and daughters of the living God, children of God, the one with all power and authority and we can call him Father, dearest Father. There is no greater blessing, no higher privilege, no richer experience than belonging to the family of God. So can I ask, do you know something of that experience? Of God as your Father, as God saying it together as our Father. Not just knowing it, yeah, yeah, our Father in heaven, not just sort of knowing the theology of it, intellectually. Knowing it personally. Not just familiar with the doctrine of adoption. Familiar with God. Your Father your loving, heavenly, perfect Father. Jim Packer, in his classic Knowing God, said this about having God as Father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much they make of the thought of being God's child and having God as their Father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls their worship and prayers and their whole outlook on life, it means they do not understand Christianity very well. Now look, that is a strong way of putting it. 
But can you see how glorious, how wonderful, how central this is to the Christian life, to the Christian experience? We're adopted children. That God is our Father. That we belong now permanently to the family of God. See what great love the Father has what? Lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. It's as good as it gets. Drink it in. Soak it up. Pray it into your heart. I am a beloved child of God. We together are dear children of God. God is our Father. That's what we mean by it. So let me encourage us to take every thought or experience you may have of a good father, a good father loving you, taking care of you, nurturing you, watching over you, that depth of intimacy, security, affection, closeness, not giving us everything we want, but certainly giving us everything we need, and more than that because God is so good, so generous, so gracious and compassionate, the perfect father. I'm conscious that for some of you, you won't have had good fathers. You've had bad fathers. You've had bad experiences of a father. And that makes it very difficult for you actually to sort of accept God as father and to really experience it and feel it. And I get that and I understand that. But can I encourage you that you can still have a sort of positive connotation with this idea of fatherhood through contrast. Think of what your dad wasn't. Think of what you wish your dad was, there for you, never distracted, always willing to listen, gentle with you, forgiving, protecting, directing, active, loving, intimate. This is who God is. All the time. Without fail. To have God as fathers have the most intimate, close, endearing, affectionate, fatherly relationship that is possible in this universe. Maybe you don't have a dad. Maybe your dad's passed away. Maybe you don't have a... You have the one father that matters. And he loves you with a lavish love. Overflowing, never stopping, unbreakable, perfect in every way. In the church family, God is our father. Secondly, in the church family, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, In Galatians, Paul moves from the doctrine of adoption in chapter 4 to then working out the implications in church family life in chapters 5 and 6. Let's look at that now. What does it mean to be brothers and sisters um, in Christ? Um, Just flick over to chapter 5, verse 13. I'll just give some headline verses uh, here. So chapter 5, verse 13, uh, Paul describes the church family in Galatia like this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Then glance down to chapter 6, verse 1, and we get that phrase again, brothers and sisters. If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Oh, that's interesting. Thinking of loving one another, serving one another humbly. What's the first thing you you think of? Oh, you've got to restore someone. Wow. So it's not a love where anything goes, but speaking truth into people's lives, helping to become more Christ-like. 
And then um, chapter 6, verse 10, at the end there, um, that section. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. This is a love not just for ourselves to be contained, but to radiate through us and out to our communities and friendships and society. But especially, let's do good to those who belong to the family of believers. That is who we are. We're a family. Church's family. Now, again, I think this idea, or you know, as you hear it, church family, church family, like I was saying with God as, as Father, we hear this a lot. Welcome church family, you know, church family news, let's meet the church family slot. And because we hear it so much, it could be that we rob this phrase of the depth of its beauty and richness and meaning. You know, maybe it can start to, to feel a, a bit hollow. So, so let's be clear that this is not just a phrase. This is a spiritual reality. I'm going to ask you to look around the room again. We did it last week. Let's do it again. Let's get used to it. Look around, brothers and sisters, okay, in Christ, as part of the church family. Brothers and sisters with a bond in Christ stronger than any physical brother or sister. Jesus was asked, you know, where are your mother and brothers? You want to know who my mothers and brothers are? Look around. Whoever does the will of God. Every earthly family will come to an end, right? The family of God is the one family that will last for eternity. We are going to know each other forever. Is that scary or not? We might as well get us to know each other a bit better now. And that is why the New Testament is full of these phrases, of these one another phrases, a hundred of them in the New Testament. Because we're brothers and sisters, let me read out just a a few of them. Um, Romans 12, our, our second reading. Be devoted to one another in love. Devoted, such a strong word. Ephesians 4, bear with one another in love because we're going to tread on each other's toes. We're going to get things wrong. We're going to make mistakes. Bear with one another. 1 Corinthians 12, we saw this last week, have equal concern for one another. No cliques, no inner cycle, outer circle. Not I'm going to ignore them. Equal concern. 1 Thessalonians 5, always strive to do what is good for one another. Strive, making every effort. James 5, do not grumble against one another. 1 Peter 4, show hospitality to one another. 1 John 4, let us love one another. Imagine what it would look like for us as a church if we really believed that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we are to relate to each other like this. where everyone was cared for, prayed for, supported, where we could be open and vulnerable with each other without fear of judgment, where we could be free to take risks, make mistakes, and so grow together, where no one bad-mouths another person, but we only speak what is truthful and gracious and upbuilding to each other. Can you imagine? How might Sundays be different? How might Inspire Groups be different? What... Will it look like for our lives throughout the week to live like this? To be devoted, to love one another, so that people look in and think, oh my goodness, I want to be part of that family too. Now, that's the ideal. <laughs> it's not the reality all the time, is it? Why is it not the reality all the time? Here are three suggestions. There might be many more. Let's talk some more afterwards. Here are three. 
First, what makes this really difficult is the structure of our wider lives and just the business of London and long work hours and the cost of living, which means if you want to live in London, you may be out in further zones, and so we're geographically apart from each other, and it just makes this sort of community really hard to thrive in. But look, we can't have it all. And if we're wanting more of this community, if we're wanting more of this richness, then we're going to have to lean more into the commitment and love and, you know, and push maybe against that business of London life that's always trying to get us. And look, I think that's why the lockdown was so helpful for us. When we're stuck in our homes, we can't do anything. Oh, I don't need to be as busy as I thought I did. And we're coming out the other side now and things are ramping up and things are getting busy again. Well, you've got a choice. We can make a choice. No. <laughs> yes. Let's push against, let's lean in. And we can have it, we can have more of this. More of this richness of a community. You want it, I want it, let's go for it. Secondly, what stops this from becoming a reality? Perhaps, perhaps competing priorities in the church. One of our passions here at Inspire St. James is to inspire London, right, with the good news of Jesus, huge vision. Like, we want to inspire our communities. We want to be reaching out. We want to have ministries that reach out to the community. But as we do that, we want to make sure that we are being a loving community as well. As we're focused on mission, at the same time, we are focused on each other. And there's a danger if you prioritize one, maybe you neglect the other. And I don't know how we're getting on with that. We've got, we've, I mentioned at the APCM on Wednesday that we're, we've got a culture review that the leadership team want to, want to do, of the, the whole church family. We want to hear back from you. And how can we do this better? How can we be a church family better? How can we make sure we are loving one another better? Please feed into that as we work this out together. The spiritual reality of being brothers and sisters in Christ. Then thirdly, the third hindrance for this becoming a reality is just the selfishness of our own hearts, right? I mean, we just like to do what we want to do. We like to do things that suit us, fit us. We want to use our freedom, chapter 5, verse 13, to indulge ourselves and not actually love and serve others. To carve out our own individual identity, our own individual life, or at least put priority on that over all our other relationships. But as we saw last week, that is so dangerous to do. To go along with the rugged individualism of our day. I was alerted to an article this week by Graham Tonlin, the Bishop of Kensington, back in November in The Times. He uses images of artichokes and onions. I, let me just tell you about an artichoke, because when I first heard about an artichoke, I was in France, I was 11, I had no idea what it is. Say an artichoke, I had no idea what he was talking about. But anyway, the artichoke, right, you have to take away the sort of peels around it to get into the heart of, of what it is, right? Onions, well, you, you know what an onion is. Um, and, and, and Graham Tonlin in this, in this article suggests that most modern people think of themselves... Um, as artichokes, actually, they have to get rid of these sort of um, given gender or um, relationships that they've got. And if they peel that all away, then they'll get to the heart of who they really are and they'll find the real me. And Graham Tonlin suggests, hey, hang on a sec, you know, what actually if that's not the case? And actually, we're onions. I'm peeling away all these God given layers, which are really essential society, community, family, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters. And if we strip it all away, what are we left with? Nothing. Very, very dangerous. That from the Bible's point of view, it's only in relationship to others. 
in relationship to family, in relationship to community, and for our purposes, church family, church community, that we truly discover who we are and we find the one secure place where we do truly belong. Loving God as Father, loving each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, so how then do we make this more of a reality in our lives? Jesus said in John's Gospel, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Do you see the move? If we just go straight in here to love one another, it's not going to work. We need, that's why we had God as Father. That's why we're always saying God to us first. Just as I have loved you, so you will love to work. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't sort of work our hearts up to be more loving. It doesn't work. I, I went out the house the other day um, this week um, without a jumper on, without a jacket on. It's, you know, we've had some really warm days recently, haven't we? So I just thought we'd have another warm day, and we didn't. It was a cold day. It was a windy day. It was brilliant. And I was really cold. And I was walking down to church here, and I was like rubbing my hands, trying to keep myself, you know, the rest of it. Didn't work. Well, it worked for a few seconds, but I soon got really cold again. The only way I got some warmth back and felt better was coming into the church, one of those radiators at the back, and like leaning on it and letting its warmth radiate through me. You know where this is going, right? We've got to lean on Jesus Christ. We've got to let the warmth of his love radiate through our hearts out to others. Focus on him, our perfect brother, who did not use his freedom for himself but to serve us, to die for us. Our perfect brother did not indulge himself. He laid down his life for us so we could be adopted into the family of God, have the status, have the gift of brothers and sisters together. This is what life's about. Look to Jesus. I know it's hard. We've got those things that hinder us from it. But this really is the way to live life. Where true happiness is to be found. Where much glory is given to God. And we can really be this authentic, genuine, loving church family. So let's remember this week, God's our Father. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. We are children of God. And let's love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for the gift of the church. We thank you very much for the gift of this metaphor in your Bible to help us understand the blessing of the church, that you are our Father. As I pray now, we are on behalf of everyone here, we can say, our Father, who loves us with a perfect love in Jesus Christ. We have a closeness and richness. It's your spirit of your Son in my heart allowing me to pray this to you. Please, would we appreciate our adoption? Please, would we appreciate just what a rich experience we have with you? Help us to live that more this week. And as we do so, help us to do it in the context of church family, of brothers and sisters together, leaning in, pushing against the business of London life, committing to one another. We find it hard. So help us to look to Jesus, our perfect brother, who has given us everything, laid down everything for us in love. And just as he has loved us, so would we love one another. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.